All right, so you guys met me a little bit earlier. Uh, if you have a really short memory or if I was not loud enough, my name is John. I am a student pastor at Cane Hills down the road. So in my time, I spend most of my time with middle school and high school students as I go throughout the week, and I love it. But just like you get this tiny, I'm going to give you like a 30-second window into a little bit of who I am so you can kind of get to know me. I would like to do uh, the things that I like, right? Like you kind of learn a lot about someone by the things that they like. And so if you like these things too, you cheer. If you hate them, you can look at me in an angry face like it's not going to hurt my feelings. It's fine. Uh, so one of the things I love, I really, really love soccer. I think it's the greatest sport like ever. It's my jam. I loved it. I played all the way through. Um, I, there's a boot. Great. I really appreciate that. Um, other things that I really like, uh, I really like to fly fish. So, which is not something that people often do, but I grew up learning how to do that. I love to do that. Uh, I really like, and this is going to come into play later because I brought a, uh, a piece of equipment for this. Uh, I like to snowboard. So that's one of the things I love to do is I really, really like to snowboard. Okay. Other things I like, and this only applies as far as I know to one other person in the room. I grew up right outside of San Francisco. So I really like San Francisco-based sports teams. Yeah, yeah Carson gets it. Carson and I, best friends, immediately this evening. Uh, so thank you. It, it only, I just want to make it clear. For people like Carson and I, your booze, your hatred of our teams, it just makes us strong. It makes me stronger. I feed on it. Uh, so I love the San Francisco Giants. Nobody really cares about here. Uh, but I also really love the 49ers, right? Like, oh, I love them. It's great. Carson, there you go. You and me, buddy. Carson and I understand. We understand what it's like to exist in any territory. When people walk around in blue and a terrible color green, why? I don't know why that's on the jerseys. Like, we get it. We know what, what that's like. Uh, one of the things that I actually do really like is I really do like spending time with you guys. I really like spending time with high school students. And I'm going to tell you a hint. Honestly, I think I like more spending time with middle schoolers. I actually like spending with you guys because uh, honestly, I think you're just more fun. So uh, I, I enjoy spending time with you. And, and I like you enough, even though I've only met a few of you, I've learned a few things. As I've gone through this evening, I met Naomi, who like broke her arm. It almost had to be amputated. Like it was this whole crazy story. Don't worry, she's okay and she's here. Uh, and it works to eat pizza. Uh, I like you enough to tell you the truth. And that truth is this, is that over your life, and this is a truth often we know, and that it hits us hard when it happens. Over your life, you are going to go through hard things. That's just a truth. I like you enough to tell you the truth that over your life, you are going to go through hard things. Often we call that trials. It's a word we use for when really difficult things happen. Now, for some of you guys that are here, uh, you know, you've gone through that in your life, whatever that would be. You, you have gone through hard things. For some of you that are here, you might be going through it right now, and you're, and you're thinking, please, I pray that he doesn't know and points me out, but I'm going through it right now. And for some of you, if you look at your life, you're like, man, I haven't like really gone through hard things, and you're kind of wondering, what is it going to be like when I go through that? What, what is that going to feel like? How bad is it going to be? And that can cause us to even be a bit anxious, go like, everybody keeps telling me like bad things happen in life, and... When's it going to happen to me? Um, right now, right this second, I can think of a few people that are in our student ministry and they're going through difficult things. So here's some examples. And this may not be you, but this is them. There is a girl in our student ministry. She right now is walking through losing her mom. Her mom got her and she died. The funeral was this last Saturday. 
And we were there for that. Uh, there, there is another, there's another guy in our, in our student ministry. Um, his parents, like a lot of parents, his parents got a divorce. Uh, and what happened was he went to live with his mom. And that meant that they didn't have a lot of money. And so they've actually had to move around from house to house a number of times. And you can imagine how he has felt to be embarrassed to share that because you don't want to share it. He, he feels a little bit shameful about that. They've had to move. And the other thing that happened is they've had to ask for money for just help from people. And it feels very embarrassing. And that's what he's had to walk through. Uh, I have another one of our students that recently she came to one of our nights that's just like this. She's in middle school, and she came, she was excited. I almost said the word stoked, which reveals my age. Uh, she was looking forward to it, and then over the course of the night, somebody made fun of her, as often happens, and then someone else thought it was funny, and someone else thought it was funny, someone else thought it was funny, and eventually enough people thought it was funny that they actually put about it and also sent her messages about that, and you can imagine crush she was, and, and this just happened recently. And she was deeply hurt by this and felt like it was following her around. Uh, I can think of another one of our guys that uh, he struggles with feeling comfortable in groups like this. Like if you're here and you're like, man, like a big group like this, I don't feel super comfortable. You're not alone. Uh, he feels very anxious in that. Because of that, you can imagine he has a hard time relating to people, putting himself out there. And so especially in groups of people, you know how he feels. He feels incredibly alone. And he's been honest about that. He feels very lonely very often. And these are just things that, these, these are things that, that people I know, these are not made up stories. These are real people with faces and names just like yours. And they're walking through these things. They're, they're walking through these trials. And, and when these things happen, it is kind of when the questions begin to fly, right? We go like, and we can begin to wonder, like, God, where in the world are you? If you're out there, if you're in charge of everything, do you care? Do you see what's happening? The other thing we'll try to do is we try to add explanation why stuff happens, right? Sometimes there are things that happens. Sometimes there's things that happen. There we go. That we have a really hard time explaining why it happened, but it does deeply hurt. And there's a guy that, that you guys have been walking through his story. You're walking through the story of Job in the Bible. There's a book about a, a solid chunk of Job's life. And Job, if, you, if you're here for the very first time or you weren't here as they've gone through it, I'm going to give you the very brief recap. The short of it is that Job went through probably more than you and I will ever go through. Job, in the course of a short period of time, he lost his wife and he lost his kids. He lost his whole family. He lost his house and all of his possessions. He lost his standing with people. He also lost his health. He got so sick. And, and all of this happened, and the Bible points out two things, and these are the hard things to deal with. The Bible points out that first, God actually knew this was happening. God knew this was happening to Job. And the second thing is that Job didn't do anything to deserve it. Job didn't do anything wrong. Job was what was called righteous, meaning that he did what was right in the eyes of God. He was a good man, a righteous man, a holy man, and yet these things still happen to him. And what Job did in the midst of this is kind of what you know, when hard things happen or just anything happens, what did Job do? He went to go talk with his friends. And he had three of them that were willing to talk with Job about this. And these three friends, as friends can be at times, were so not helpful. <laughs> uh, we all hopefully have friends that are really, really helpful, but maybe you've also had interaction with the friend that's like not helpful. <laughs> so yes, love it, amen. Um, and, and if you don't know who that is, fair warning, it might be you and you might have some blaming. So, so the, these three guys, 
these three guys, they try to give advice to Job. And as often can happen, their advice is not only terrible, their advice is actually untrue. And when you hear their advice, we're not supposed to read it kind of how we read other parts of the Bible. We read it and go, oh, that's true. I should do that. We're actually meant to read their words as a warning, as a caution of how not to think, of what not to say, and how not to believe about God. And so one of his friends is a friend named Bildad or Bildad, depending on how you want to say it. And so Job, in conversation with his friends, this is what his friend Bildad says. And uh, it's up on the screen. I'm going to read it, uh, but they'll throw it up on the screen for you. This is in the book of Job. This is the first part of chapter eight. You'll realize really quickly, Bildad's not a good friend. Here's what it says. So the Shuite replied to Job and he said, how long will you go on like this? You sound like a stirring wind. Does God twist justice? Does the almighty twist what is right? And then verse four, and this part is not funny. He says, your children must have sinned against him. And so their punishment was well-deserved. It's deeply hurtful. But if you pray to God, he's talking to Job, but if Job, if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, and if you're sure you live with integrity, he will surely rise up and he'll restore your happy home. And, and though you started with little, you will end with much. So in essence, everything that Bildad said to Job right there in that sentence, all of it is a lie. Not, not a word of that is innocently true, is essence true about Job and his life. Some of what he says is true, but doesn't apply to Job because he doesn't understand the situation because he sees God in a certain way. And, and here's the lie. This is the lie that Bildad believes, and this is the lie that a lot of people believe. And it goes like this. The lie is if you do good things, only good things will happen to you. That's the lie. That lie exists in our culture, in our world. And there might be versions of it that we have thought, right? Like, oh man, okay, if I do good stuff, God will give me good things. If I do good stuff, people will give me good things. Like we, we treat it as an equation of like, oh, if I do good things, then I will only earn good things back. And that is a lie. But the question becomes, what's the truth? If what Bildad said is a lie, why is it a lie? And two, what's the truth? What are you and I supposed to walk away with tonight as the caution, as the opposite of what Job's friend said? Here's the first truth. This turned into two truths and a lie. First truth is that God's people will go through trials. God's people, they are going to go through trials. God never promises that if you believe in him, if you trust him, if you love him, if you follow him and what he commands, he never promises that your life will be pain-free. In fact, the opposite is promised. Jesus says to his disciples, who were his first 12 followers, closest 12, he turns to them and he says in John 16, in fact, he promises the opposite and says, in this life, and this applies to you and me, he says, in this life, you will have many trials. It's going to happen. These things are going to happen. And so here's what this means. It means that in this life, you are going to have things like uh, where people are going to hurt you because of something they did. You are going to have moments where it feels like they're getting away with it. And so like, here's an interesting question. Think back as best you can to when you were younger. Can you remember a moment where you realized that life wasn't fair? Right? Think for a second. And it's just a, it's a, it's a question in your mind. It's not a, like throw it out loud because it would be painful examples. But 
Can you remember when you were younger when you realized life wasn't fair? It's a really hard realization. And, and you, you probably don't entirely remember. You might think of a recent moment, but maybe not when you're younger. I get a big old window because, as I said, I got three kids. They're 10, 6, and 2. And, and I could almost recount to each the moment that they realized that life was unfair. For my 10-year-old, uh, there was a moment where our, uh, the next-door neighbor, we have a next-door neighbor. Their son is almost the same age as my son. Uh, and he lied about something. And my son got in trouble for it. And we didn't find out till later that he actually didn't do it. And, and, remember, and you just think of how upset he was, right? He was so upset because he, because he was so mad that his friend at that moment got away with it. And, and you can imagine how hurt he was. And I remember the feeling of realizing that he realized, man, this isn't fair. This is not how it should be. And, and that is true in life. And the reason I tell you these things the reason I tell you these things, that you will face trials, you will face hurt, you will face pain, you will face sadness, those are real things. The reason I tell you is to protect your thinking from thinking like Bildad. Because again, his thinking was, if good things, if I do good things, then only good happen to me. If you think that way, I promise you, it will end in one of two ways. So if you think that only, if you do good stuff, only good things will happen to you, here's a question. What are you going to do when bad things happen? What, who do you blame, right? Where do you go? And one of two things happens. That either A, you sinfully blame God and you'll believe lies about God, or if it's something that you have not done, you will sinfully blame yourself and believe lies about yourself. Now, I'm not talking about things like, for example, I'm not talking about things where you get in trouble for something that you actually did. Right, if you lie to your parents and then you get busted, you don't get to go, life's unfair. You lied to your parents, you got busted. That's your fault. Like, like that is on you. I'm not talking about those types of things. I'm talking about the type of things that happen where it isn't your fault. It was someone else who did it. You were lied to, you were hurt, you were gossiped about. You happened to you because of someone else's sin, what they did. That's going to happen. And if you think like Bildad does, here's what's going to happen. You are either you're going to A, sinfully blame yourself, or you're going to sinfully blame God. Here's what I mean. One story. Uh, again, I know a guy. Uh, he's now grown up, but as his parents went through a divorce, you know who he blamed? Not himself. He blamed himself. And it wasn't his fault. He didn't sin, but he took it on himself. And, and he went that route. He blamed himself route for another person's sin. And that was a lie. And he carried around with him shame and guilt that wasn't meant to be his. And there are going to be some of you tonight, some, maybe, that you're doing the same thing. You're carrying it around and it was not meant to be yours. It is not of God. It's a lie that it is your fault. It's not. Another story. Uh, one of my, it's, it's weird to say like, one of the, the students I enjoyed the most over the years, but it's this guy that I had early on, and his name was Daniel. And Daniel's the nicest dude, but Daniel had a really hard life. And one night, Daniel comes. It's a night like this. And he is like, he's like kind of like awkwardly hanging in the back. And he's like up against the wall. And it wasn't like him to do that. And it, he had a weird night. Eventually, like I, I go grab a chair to kind of pull like as I sit in the place. And, and I set it down and I motion him like, hey, come, come sit. Because he'd be distracting in the back. I'm like, dude, come, like, come hang with us. And he got furious at me, which was not like him. It was really strange. And, and he gets super mad. He like kicks over the chair. Now it's like crazy distracting. Everybody's turned, right? Like whatever the message was, doesn't matter. They're just watching like, mm, the show's in the back of the room. Like that's what they went with. 
And, and so I grab him, like, hey, man, let's go outside. So, so we go talk. I'm like, dude, what's the deal? And he and I had a good relationship. Like, what, what is happening right now? And then the things that Daniel had been holding on to all came at once. And he was just so mad at God. He was like, man, I'm everything for God. And like, I try to read my Bible. I try to be good to my parents. And like started listing all these things that he did right. And then he started listing all the things that bad that happened to him. And just you could see the anger and the bitterness just flowing out of them. Why? Because he thought like Bildad thought. He thought, look, I did all this good stuff. So you know what? God owes me good stuff. And you know what he did? He put away the one person, the God of the universe, who loved him and loves you and cares for him and desired to comfort him and speak truth to him through his word. And he just went, no, nah, I'm out. And it wasn't because God wasn't good and it wasn't because God didn't care. Is because he saw God in a particular way. He thought God owed him things. See, if you guys, if, you guys, if we feel like Bill Dodd, you're going to either sinfully blame yourself or you're going to sinfully blame But the other truth, and here's where the good news comes in. The other truth is that Jesus changed the way that we see our trials. So Jesus actually changes the way that we see our trials. So the problem with Bildad is that he looked God through a specific lens. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, I said that I snowboard. These are my actual snowboard, go- no, actual snowboard goggles. You like the fancy pattern on them so I can find them if they fall in the snow. Um... Uh, these are my high-vis ones. They're yellow. Uh, again, who snowboards or skis? Oh, a lot of you. Wow, that was a shocking number. Um, okay, so these, these are my snowboard goggles. I got multiple lenses. I, switch, I swap them out. It's very bougie, but it's fine. And so uh, these are my yellow ones, uh, and I won't put them on yet, uh, but this is like if I can see when it is foggy and, and you're going to get hurt and all that. And uh, so when I put these on, think, think of it like for a second, it changes the way I see the world, right? It it put color to the way that I see everything. Think of it this way. It's like the lens through which I see all things. Every single person, you have a way that you see the world that has everything to do with how you see God. So for example, if you think that God is out to get you and he cannot wait till you sin, and he's like, oh, I got him. Like, like, the, like he is out there like an angry father waiting to mess up to get you. That's a lens you put on, and it's how you see the world. Or here's another option. If you don't think God's real, or you think he doesn't care because bad things happen, and you're like, man, I can just kind of do what I want. That is a lens that you put on that you see the world through it. Bildad had a lens. He put it on, and the lens was, if I do good stuff, then good stuff will happen to me. That lens is true. See, for you and I, what we need is, is we need to change how we see the hard things that happen to us. And what changes the way that we see the hard things that happen to us is the simple fact that Jesus actually lived and that Jesus actually died and that Jesus actually rose again. Meaning that Jesus was a real person who was fully God, who came here, and you don't have to go to him. God came to get you. The fact that Jesus died, meaning that he died for your sin and my sin. He did what you and I could not do for ourselves. And the fact that he rose from the dead means that everything he said is actually true. If he stayed dead, none of it's true. But he rose from the dead proving who he was and proving that the new life he gives, it also counts to you and me. And when we die trusting in him, we get to spend eternity with him. And it means some things. And here's what it means. See, if Jesus lived and he died and he rose again, it means that Jesus 
suffered more than probably any of us in this room. Jesus was despised. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was deserted by his friends. Jesus was accused of things he did not do. Jesus was called names, and Jesus was crucified. So that when you and I go through hard things, God goes, I know. Jesus can say, I know. I know what it feels like in my mind, in my heart, in my soul. He knows what it feels like in our bodies. And so, he says, I know. I know what it feels like to suffer. The other thing that it means, see, if Jesus died on the cross for you and me, it means that he actually loves you. And the reason you know that he loves you is that he died in your place. Jesus said to his disciples, said to him, he said, there's no greater love that a man lay down his life for his friends. Well, Jesus died for you, not when we were his friends. He died for you and me while we were still his enemy. He died in the place of his enemies. And simply put, you know you can trust a God who would die for you. You know that you can trust a God who would die for you. So what does he say? Not only says, I know, how to su- I know what suffering is. I know, I know, I know. But also, God truly loves me. Another thing that it means, uh, it means that God takes sin seriously. Like, again, Jesus died. He had to die for our sin. But that also means he also takes other people seriously. Meaning if someone sins against you, he cares about that. He takes it seriously. And they may get away with it, but forever. The other thing that that means is that you and I might suffer in this life, but you know what? Not forever. Not forever. And the hard part of that, here's the, part, here's the hard part of that, is... Uh, real quick, raise your hand if you're 12. Okay, great. Oh, or you're going to be 12 in a few months. The hard part. When I come to you and I say, hey, uh, people are going to get away with it forever and you're not going to suffer forever, you know what the really hard part is? Is you're 12, three years is a quarter of your life. And three years is like a long way off. So when I say forever, it feels like a long way off. You're like, dude, how long are people going to get away with stuff? How long am I going to have to go through stuff? The answer is not forever. And here's the encouragement. Dude, you can be 11, 12, 13, and you have mature thinking that says, you know what? I know that I have to do this forever because Jesus died. He rose again, so I get to be with him. You can actually think maturely at 14, and you can actually think more mature than people that are twice or four times your age. It's not dictated by your age. But if you th- begin to see the world through what Jesus did, it changes that. Uh, final thing that it means. A final, a final thing that this means, right? Says, God knows that it, what suffering is. It means that God actually loves me. It means that I don't have to go through these things forever. And also, what it means is that God takes care of our needs. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he took care of our greatest need which means that he took care of the one thing we needed most, and that was forgiveness of our sins. Okay, so think of it this way. If God has the and the desire to take care of your greatest need, he can also take care of the really small ones too, like going through difficult situations, like having someone hurt you. And he gives us ways to walk through that. One of the ways that he's given you is he has given you these incredible leaders that are part of ASM that love you, that care for you, that desire to truly know you, that if you are here and you're like, man, that's me. I am struggling with either blaming God for these things that are happening or I'm sinfully blaming myself. If that is you, these are people that would love to hear what's going on, walk through that with you, remind you of what is true and point you back to the God that loves you. So if Jesus really lived, which he did, 
if he really died, which he did, if he really rose again, which he did, then all of these things, they become a lens. And I'm going to look really goofy because I don't have a helmet on or anything. These become the lens through which you see everything, right? So when I see hard things and I go through a hard thing, I go, oh, thank God. Jesus knows what that's like. When I go through a hard thing, I go, oh, thankfully, God cares about me and he loves me. When I go through a hard thing, I go, okay, I know this hurts right now, but it's not forever. When I go through a hard thing, I go, okay, but God took care of my greatest need. He'll take care of my smallest needs too. And so for you and I, we have to change the lens through which we see the difficult things that happen. And what changes that is the fact that Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. Uh, If you're a person who's breathing, which I think is most of you, hopefully made it through the night breathing. Uh, If you're a person who's breathing, proven it. (laughs) Uh, You're going to go through hard things. You're going to go through hard things. God's people will go through trials, but Jesus changed the way that we look at trial. I'm going to pray for you guys. The worship team's going to come back up, and what we're going to do is we're going to spend a few minutes singing about what God did for us. Be reminded of what he did and the fact that it really matters for our life. So let's pray, uh, and then uh, I'll move to the side, and and we'll uh, look going. So all right, will you guys pray with me? Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this group of students. Thank you for this group of leaders. Thank you for ASM. ASM. Thank you for this church. Uh, God, I pray that as we worship you, help us, even in the super small way, be reminded of who you are, what you do for us. God, help these students who are sixth and seventh and eighth grade, help them begin to see the world through what you did for us. God, help us as leaders, as adults, to do our best, though we're imperfect. Help explain that they might see it more and more. Uh, God, thank you for using imperfect speakers like me. God, I pray that we worship you for who you are and it would fill our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.